0: Good evening and good evening to you. Today, I welcome you again to our Bible study. For those of you that are joining us, this is the Bible study for Zion Hill Church Family in Pineville, Louisiana. We have been teaching on the entire books of the Bible. We started out from Genesis, and we're going from book to book. Today, we're in the book of Lamentation, the book of Lamentation. There's a lot of lessons that we can learn from that book. But please, first let me point out to you that the word Lamentation means somebody's lamenting or somebody is crying out, you probably have heard the saying that Jeremiah was a crying prophet. So this was part of the book of Jeremiah and is about the tears and the crying of a person. I also need to mention to you that Jeremiah is not the only one that that had to cry. Uh, in the Bible, there are many instances of lamenting or lamentation. You remember Job when he went through a lot of struggle, a lot of challenges in life. Job did cry. All right? You remember Jonathan. Jonathan was the the son of King Saul. When he died, David cried over him. David really lamented. They were buddies. They were friends. So when a loved one died, you cry. You you lament. When a close person, a relative, a co-worker, what have you. So David lamented over Jonathan. And you will see in the book of Psalms, there are many instances of lamentation, people pouring their heart out to God and showing how much they grieve, how much they lost. So much that the Bible even says weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So you can see the acknowledgement that there are times in life when we may have to grieve or when we may have to cry. Even Jesus Christ, when you get a chance, I want you to check out the book of Matthew chapter 23. If you read that chapter, you're going to find out there was a time that Jesus cried and weeped over Jerusalem. He said, oh, you Jerusalem, 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 how much God longed to gather you as a chicken under his feather, but how much you're destroying, doing crazy stuff. He said, how long will you do all this craziness? He said, you will not see me again. Until you cried out, blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. So you see, Jesus himself had moment of tears, moment of crying, moment of lamentation. I can start here to point out some important things. Maybe in your own life, maybe you've had to shed some tears. Maybe not. But I can tell you my own life, it's not always a rose garden, there are times that I've had to cry. There are things that has happened in my life that caused me to shed tears. Sometimes disappointment on the job, sometimes sicknesses and disease, sometimes the death of our loved ones, sometimes just, just pain in my body, I mean, I can go on and on. There have been several times that I have to cry. Some of my tears were shed in private. But believe it or not, some of my tears were shed publicly. So lamenting or lamentation is not uncommon. But the good news, ladies and gentlemen, whatever is causing you to tear, My prayer for you today is that God will wipe away all your tears. Open your mouth, shout amen right now. I thank God for the opportunity to look back over my life and see how God helped me to overcome my weeping, my tears. And please permit me to say here up front before we get deep into the book, You need to understand that life is a journey. What did I call it? A journey. And part of that journey may include disappointments. Part of that journey may include being hurt. It may include some pain. Part of that journey may include some tears. Some time of sorrow. Part of that journey may include some times of prayer, some times of crying out to God and say, Lord, if you don't help me, I won't make it. You probably have heard a song called Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I am weak. I'm tired. I'm worn out. If I go through some tears. I go through some pain. Hold my hand, precious Lord. See, that song was written by somebody who was in tears, who was in pain. He literally was out of town. He went to minister music. He's a musician. And then while he was gone, His wife, who was pregnant with their baby, died. So he lost two people in essence, the baby in the womb and his wife. And so when the news came to him, guess what he did? He started to tear up with with tears running down his eyes. With the pain of the loss, he began to write that song. We sing it today, but we don't realize that that was born out of pain, out of tears. All right? What am I trying to say? It is not uncommon in this life that we go through. So if you're watching me this evening, and maybe you're going through some rough time, maybe you're going through some trials, maybe you're going through some difficult times, Be encouraged, because the Bible is true when it says, although weeping may endure for the night, joy will come in the morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like shouting already. I'm not trying to tell you something that's just theoretical. I've lived this. Many times when I cried, I see how God bring a time of refreshing in my life and I overcome my tears. I overcome my sorrow and I'm I'm able to regain my joy, my shalom again. I pray that will be your portion this evening. Now let's get deep into the book of Lamentation. I want you to know the book has only five chapters. There are many interesting things about the book of Lamentation. Not only does it have five chapters, each chapter is 22 verses long, except chapter three that has three 22 verses. Isn't that something? You might say, what is the big deal about 22 verses? Well, Ladies and gentlemen, the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. So, when I tell you the Book of Lamentation is a poem, the writer was very calculating. Not only did he use the number of al- alphabets in the Hebrew alphabet, he also listed it logically. In sequence, so like we go from A to B and B to C and C to D and D to E. That's exactly the way that book is written and arranged. The first letter of the alphabet was where chapter 1 was based on. So chapter 1 was based on the first letter of alphabet chapter 2 was based on the second letter of Hebrew alphabet chapter three is based on the third letter of alphabet so it really is very very sequ- sequential and then each of those chapter has 22 verses except verse except chapter 3 that has 3 or 22 times 3 66. All right. now with all those background in mind, then you can divide each of those chapters up. like I said, there are five chapters so you need to know what each chapter speaks about. And we're going to take it one by one. Chapter one talks about the place. Chapter two talks about the punishment. Chapter 3 talks about the prophet. And then there's chapter 3, part A and B. Part A talks about the prophet. Part B talks about the promise. Then chapter 4 talks about the people. And chapter 5 talks about prayer. By the way, if you're a preacher and you want to learn the trick of ministry and how I prepare my sermons, how I organize my thoughts. I'm working with the letter P, as in Paul. So, remember I told you the first chapter is about the place. You see that letter P now? (laughs) I'm just trying to help my preachers and pastors that are watching. Let's talk about that first chapter. Ladies and gentlemen, All of chapter 1, the focus was about the place. What place are we talking about? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So Jeremiah is lamenting about Jerusalem. What is it about Jerusalem? Well, let me give you some historical background so that you can appreciate how the Bible is written. Jerusalem was a place that was promised initially to Abraham. You remember how God recruited Abraham and said, leave your, leave your people, go to a place that I will show you, I will bless you, I will make your name great, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you. You remember all of that in the book of Genesis chapter 12. Well, Jerusalem was the central place that God promised Abraham. Another thing you need to know about Jerusalem is that it was the place where Abraham offered his son Isaac, or Moriah. You know, you remember, he was going to kill his own son to honor God, and God gave him a ram in the bush and spare his child. God was just trying to see how how far Abraham would, would go to show his love for God. Jerusalem is also the place where David conquered. In case you don't know, that whole neighborhood used to be occupied by the Jebusites. And Jerusalem, because of his military uh, strength and following, he attacked Jerusalem and conquered the place, defeated the Jebusite. And so David lived in that city for all of his life. Jerusalem also is the capital of Israel. Jerusalem, ladies and gentlemen, Je- I'm still talking about the same place. Jerusalem, not only is it the capital of Israel, Jerusalem is the place where the temple was built, the big temple that everybody, every Jewish person, in the whole world had to visit once a year at least. So Jerusalem speaks of many things. Jerusalem is also a place where the presence of God is located. There comes a time when God decided to habitate among the people. And it was in the holies of holies inside the temple in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is also the place where a lot of priests, preachers, were performing all their spiritual function. What am I trying to tell you? Chapter one is about the place, the place. Jerusalem was famous. Jerusalem was the big economic center. It was the big political center. It was the center of attraction for the people. Even Jeremiah, who wrote the book of Lamentation, that was his home. So Jerusalem to Jeremiah is more than just a religious center. It was more than just an economic center. Jerusalem was his home. It's just like if you come up, you grow up in some town. You know that neighborhood. And so that neighborhood is precious to you. It's more than just, I'm from Louisiana. You know some town, dog, very well because you know the people there, you know the neighborhood, it, it's sentimental to you. Why, is, why am I telling you all of this? So when you see Jeremiah later on, when you see him crying because of Jerusalem, I want you to have a picture of, of how important Jerusalem is, the place. All of that was covered in chapter one. But in chapter two, then we have to talk about the punishment. God's been telling the people in Jerusalem to stop sinning, to stop acting a fool. By the way, what were they doing? Number one, they had a covenant with God they were not keeping the covenant. Number two, they were worshiping the gods of the Canaanites. Number three, they were oppressing the poor. That's a big deal to God. Number four, there was all kinds of injustice all over the country. And you know one thing about God, his patience is long. I mean, he has been trying to talk to them trying to get them to repent, trying to get them to change their way for a long, long time. But one thing I want you to learn about God, even though he's very patient, he's long-suffering, He is slow to anger, but at some point, he gets fed up. And that's what happened to the Israelites. In chapter 2, you find on July the 10th, the year 586, some say it's 587 BC, Babylon, a foreign country, came and invaded Jerusalem. A foreign country came and attacked Jerusalem. And guess what that foreign country did? destroyed the whole city. And not only did Babylon destroy the city, Babylon entered into the temple and destroyed and smashed down the whole temple. If you go to Israel today, you may hear the term wailing war. Wailing, that word wailing means crying. That, that, That word means lamentation. A lot of people still go there today and lament. Some go there to pray. But those walls were the walls of the temple that was destroyed. It was torn down. So you can imagine what God is trying to teach you and me. Although he's patient, although he's slow to anger, but the word of God is still very true. If you obey him, you're going to get blessed. If you disobey him and you make a career out of disobeying him, you're going to get cursed. There's a lesson there for you and me. The Bible works if you work it. Do you want to be blessed, my friend? Where well, you in control of that. The word of God is very clear. If you obey God, and you make it a practice to obey God, guess what? He will bless you. If you disobey Him and you make it a career of being stubborn, of being disobedient, and, and stiff neck, and, and law breaking, just breaking the covenant of God, it will eventually catch up with you and me. That leads to curse. One scripture put it this way He said, Choose you this day. Who are you going to serve? Joshua said, as for me, in my house, we're going to serve God. What are you going to do? Where well, Israel chose to disobey God for a long, long time. It finally caught with them. So, on July the 10th, 586 B.C. before Christ, the enemy came and all those greatness of of Jerusalem, all the achievement for 500 years of existing, it was gone just like that. I can stop there and preach to you and me. Maybe you got it going right now. Maybe the Lord is blessing you right now. Don't risk the blessing of God by living a life of disobedience. Because if God removes his hand from your life, the enemy can come like a flood and destroy everything you work for all your life. All of a sudden, everything is gone in a flash. All of a sudden, you used to have a house You don't have one anymore. You used to have a family, your family God. You used to have a good job. You don't have a job anymore. You used to have good health. Your health becomes compromised. I mean, everything we have. I always remind my own wife about this. It can be lost in a flash. So don't take God for granted. Always be careful to give him the glory. Every day you get up, it should be a day of thanksgiving. Thank God that you are alive. Thank God for your children. Thank God for your automobile. Thank God for your house or your apartment. Thank God for your bicycle. Thank God for anything that you have because All the blessings that you and I enjoy every day. Guess where it came from? From the good Lord. Now you see how we cover the place. That's chapter 1. In chapter 2 we cover the punishment. The destruction of Jerusalem. Overnight, all gone. Now we go to chapter 3, we have to talk about the prophet. What, you, what we need to say about the prophet, what we found out in chapter 3 is Jerusalem is gone, is destroyed, and now Jeremiah is just crying about it. He was just sobbing. He could not believe. It's like you, you go to the, to the neighborhood where you grew up, everything all turned up. It's like a tornado came through or hurricane and everything is gone. That will make somebody cry. This was a grown man crying out loud, sobbing. Oh my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Everything was devastated. By the way, permit me to share this with you Sometimes you have to, if you have to cry, uh, don't, don't try to suck it in or hold it in that you, you rub yourself of the, the joy, the emotion of crying before God. Even when you love the and loved, and loved, and loved ones, it's okay. If you have to shed tears. It's okay if you have to cry. And sometimes something not so good happens to us. We are so consuming what's going on. You don't even have time to cry. And sometimes you may be the only one to to hold the rest of the family. So while everybody is breaking down, you may be the one that God's going to use to be strong enough to to hold everybody together. I don't know, wherever you fit in this picture, but I want you to know if you have to cry, it's okay. I have five children and one of them, bless her heart, I mean, that sister girl would start crying in a flash when she was growing up. It always drives me crazy. I said, come on girl, why, why you cry so much? Now she's grown up. She's doing very well. But now, back then, I didn't have enough understanding of the word of God. But sometimes, even being able to pour out your emotion can help with your healing. So if you have to cry, cry. But don't stay crying all your life. Because God wants to heal you of your tears. God wants to wipe away your tears. God wants to solve that problem. God wants to to restore you to your original state. So we see this prophet just pouring out his heart, just devastated that all of his people are gone. All of the houses teared down. The church, the temple just messed up, just... These people, these foreign uh, Babylonians that came, they were merciless. They just burned everything down. But in the midst of that, we're still in chapter 3. I told you chapter 3 has two parts, the prophet and the promise. This is the essence of the book of Lamentation. In the midst of all those cries, in the midst of all those sorrow, in the midst of all those tears, the prophet remembered that God had promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. That was his promise to his people. That's the same promise he has for you. My favorite verse in the whole book of Lamentation is found in the book of Lamentation chapter 3. Verse 22 and verse 23. It talks about the the promise of God. That the the word of God, his promise never ceases. That his mercy never ceases. Then he said, his mercy is new every morning. Hallelujah. Have you ever heard the time when somebody said, God's mercy is new every morning? Each morning, that's the the scripture. Lamentation, chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. People quote it all the time, but it's good to be able to read it for yourself. The Bible says three things in that verse. Number one, his faithfulness, his mercy, and his goodness never ceases. So it says, "The goodness of the Lord never ceases. His mercy is new every morning." Then he ended up saying, "Great is Thy faithfulness." I remember going growing up as a Baptist boy how we'll be singing that song, "Great is Thy faithfulness, Oh, Lord, God, Your mercy." And we will sing that song. We will sing that song. And sometimes tears will be running in my eyes when I think of the greatness of God. And we will sing the chorus. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies are seen. Thou changest not, thy compassion faileth not. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto thee. Guess what we are singing? The Book of Lamentation. (laughs) It's amazing. Amen. We will sing it. I will cry. I still cry when I sing that song today. Sometimes I'll be driving my car, and then I'll start singing a cappella. Great is thy faithfulness. I feel like crying right now. Because when you look back over your life, and you see what could have happened, what should have happened, what almost happened, or even what did happen, and you are still here. Guess what's behind that? Morning by morning, new mercy you see. You know what? God changed not, his compassion failed not. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. So, you see, the prophet remembered the promises of God, that in spite of all what they are going through, God remains a good God. God remains a merciful God. God remains a patient God. God remains a forgiving God. I want you to tap into that anointing this evening. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what is going on right now, no matter what curveball the devil is trying to throw at you, remember that God's mercy is new every morning. Remember that God is faithful and great is his faithfulness. He will forgive you. He will restore to you everything the devil has stolen. He will bless you again. And you'll be able to shout again. And you'll be able to laugh again. You'll be able to dance your dance. we will be able to rejoice again. That's the will of God for you and me. Open your mouth, receive it, and shout amen right now. <laughs> You know, that brings us to chapter 4. Chapter 4 is about the people. I told you chapter 1 is about the place. Chapter 2 is about the punishment. Chapter 3 has two parts, A and B. The first part is about the prophet. The second part is about the promise of God. Now we get to chapter 4. Is about the people themselves. And Jeremiah, in his writing, could see the people, their suffering. He could see them crying. He could see them sobbing. He could see chains in their hands. He could see them being much like slaves. They have to travel, walk more than 100 miles barefooted. He could see the pain. He even made some comparison of what life used to be before the fall of Jerusalem. In that chapter, he talks about before children were happy. Now, children are very sad. Before Life in Jerusalem was full of joy. Now, right now after the invasion, the destruction of that city, people were just looking very pitiful, sad, confused, in pain, in tears. He even compared the king. The name of the king back then is called King Jehoiakim. This king used to live in luxury, royal life in the palace. Now he is a slave. They captured him too. Has chains in his hand. Been led like a nobody to the nation of Babylon. So the people were going through all kinds of pain. The people are going through all kinds of agony. The people are going through all kinds of suffering. And maybe that's what you're dealing with right now. The question is, What are you going to do about it? Well, I have some good news for you. The good news is found in chapter 5, the closing chapter of that book. The prophet, the poet begins to pray. And you know what the prayer is all about? Say, Lord, you know. Lord, come by here. You know, I will sing this song, Kumbaya, my Lord. (laughs) There comes a time when you want God to come by to see about you. That word, Kumbaya, was some African uh, expression, and I happen to be an African, so I understand it. So when we say Kumbaya, that was the language of the slaves. When they first got here, they don't They really didn't have a mastery of the English language. And sometimes they actually understand English, but they talk slang. They talk the language that the master may not clearly understand. So the term kumbaya is really come by here. So they will say, and who are they talking to? The Lord. They were going through some pain, they were going through some suffering as slaves. And they could say, come by here, my Lord, come by here, come come by here, my Lord, come by here, come by here, my Lord, come by here, oh Lord, come by here. If we go to say like Africa, we say kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. Have you ever had to pray prayers like that? I don't know about you. I've had to pray like that many times. Even till now, when my back is against the wall, when my friends are few, when I have no clue how I'm going to pay all my bills, when I have no idea when the where the next meal is going to come from. Guess what I do? Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Oh, no, kumbaya. Oh, I wish I can testify. Many times the Lord has came by for me and bailed me out of trouble and healed me of infirmity and vindicated me in the face of my enemies and turned things around So we find the prophet in chapter 5 praying, Lord, you cannot leave us this way. We are crying. We are suffering. This is deplorable situation. We need you to come by here. We need your help. We need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your favor, oh God. Come by here. Have mercy upon us. Give us another chance. Redeem us, oh God. People know we are people of God. Everybody is laughing at us. Have you ever been in a situation where folks laughing about you or look, laughing at you? Then they have done that. I got a t-shirt for it. Sometimes people will laugh at you when nothing is funny. Hannah was praying to God. Even the preacher laughed at her because the preacher thought she was drunk. Maybe you've been laughed at. Maybe you are being laughed at right now as I'm talking to you. What you need to do stop having pity party. Pour your heart onto the Lord. and Invite God to come into your situation. Invite God to come into your financial situation. Invite God to come into your marital situation. Invite God to help you raise your children. Invite God to come into your joblessness and ask Him, Lord, I need me a job. I am tired of, of waiting on anybody. Lord, I want you to make a way for me. Maybe you, it's not an economic situation, maybe it's your health. There comes a time when you have to cry out to God and say, Lord, I'm sick and tired of taking all these pills. I'm sick and tired of going in and out of the hospital. I remember I was in the hospital one time. True story. And I'm not putting down the hospital, but oh, I hate that place. The bed was so small. You know I'm a big fellow. I'm six feet, two inches tall. 275 pounds. That's a lot of meat. Yes, I'm telling you. But they put you in this little bed, they're not trying to be mean. It's probably the best in the whole world. And then they are in and out. It was difficult for me to sleep. It was uncomfortable for me to sleep. And then when I do get to sleep, here comes somebody who will knock on the door and wake me up even in the middle of the night. Well, Dr. Dara, we we got to to take your temperature. Dr. Dara, we got to draw your blood. And it just goes on and on. After a few days, you know what? I got tired. I really was. I got tired. I didn't want to be a pest because my family was there, my wife was there, and I don't want to be complaining because she made She may fall apart when she see me going through. So so I I held, I tried to hold things to myself. But guess what I started to do? Like Jeremiah, like in the book of Lamentation, I began to pour my heart out to God. I closed my eyes and pretend I see I'm sleeping. But no, I wasn't sleeping. I was just trying to make sure nobody disturbed me. I was crying out to God, Lord, I don't know how I got here. Maybe I messed up. Maybe I screwed up. Maybe somebody has sinned. Maybe some covenant of my forefather. I don't even care what it is. But no, I don't like this place. Lord, come by here. I need your help now. I really need you to touch me. I really need you to heal me. I mean, it may be your finance, it may be your health, it may be your relationship, it may be your job situation, it may be just the peace of mind, whatever it is. Please don't miss the opportunity to cry out unto God. And remember what I said to you. This whole book ends with one beautiful thing. Knowing that weeping may endure for the night but joy will come in the morning. Thank you for listening. I love you. I appreciate studying the word of God with you. If you need prayer, there's a number under the screen. Call that number. There are ministers of the gospel. Believe me, they understand what it means to go through life. They understand what it means to grieve. They understand what it means to have to cry sometimes. They will pray with you and they will trust God and believe God with you. Don't miss the opportunity to have somebody pray with you. Dial that number. And I look forward to seeing you next week at the same time, the same channel, the same hour. God bless you.